Welcome to America's Retirement Headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates. Securities offered through Peak Brokerage Services, LLC. Advisory services offered through the Retirement Guys Formula. Registered Investment Advisor, America's Retirement Headquarters, America's Medicare Associates, and the Retirement Guys Formula are separate and independent entities from Peak Brokerage Services, LLC. you're having a great day. We appreciate you spending part of it with us here on America's Retirement Headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates with Nolan Baker and Scott Kirshner. Myself, my name is Chris Vaughn. Here's how I reach out to the show, 419-794-3030. That's the phone number, 419-794-3030, online, americasretirementheadquarters.com. On today's show, should you pay off your mortgage before retirement and how do you actually pick the right time to retire? All this and more. But first, let me check in with the guys, Nolan and Scott, as always. Glad to be with you. How are you today? Well, we're doing very, very well. Um, we're, I'm, I'm personally am doing fantastic. Uh, the AEP ended um, this past Wednesday, so that's a good thing for me, but I'm still helping a lot of clients out. Um, Nolan, I know uh, we did a nice little event last weekend for um, uh, those of clients that have referred uh, uh, some business to us. We spent the day at the Walleye Game, which was um a great time. The two guests that we had on our uh, in our economic summit that spoke are the only two goals of the game, which is kind of neat rooting for those guys. Uh, but I understand that you were actually at uh, Kent State doing some hockey yourself. It was. It was a hockey weekend for us out of Kent State. So uh, we're back at high school hockey, and my son played out at Kent State. So always a good town to visit and go out there and have a great time. But uh, it was great. It was great to see so many of uh, the pictures from the clients that were out there and, of course, see those walleye players uh you know, play, play well. Yeah, so it was neat. It was uh, neat to great, see him out there. Great weekend of hockey. I was going to say, uh, Scott, you know, you look like you, you came in with a little bit of a, a lighter spring in your step, and I forgot that the annual election period did wrap up. So a little calm for you before open enrollment begins. But, uh, you know, one thing that doesn't stop between now and then, the holidays, of course, the hustle, bustle of that. And then, mm-hmm. of course, retirement. That never really stops. People are always planning for retirement, and the market never really stops. And truth be told, we've seen some lift in the stock market lately. But as we mentioned before, bear market rallies, they are common, and we shouldn't get too excited Liz Young from Sophie tells us CNBC that she sees only one more drop. Well, if we look at the amount that we've risen over the last month, month and a half or so, we're up 10% since the end of September. That's a pretty big jump. And look, bear market rallies can be really powerful. I think that if this turns out to be one, this is no exception. If we do have another pullback in the market, I think it's the last one. So she believes the market is reflecting six months beyond the data that we're seeing. So what do you think? Should we take that with a grain of salt? How do you plan with all these differing opinions? Well, I mean, it certainly is good to see some positive news in the market. And, you know, for those of you that have been listening, we've been talking about what our expectations were at the market uh, after we got through some of the midterm elections. And, you know, we're seeing the history of the market kind of play out here with, with getting a little bit of a rally. But it doesn't take long, whether you're listening to this show or going online to a website, uh, whether you can get an opinion about what the outlook of the market is. And, you know, sometimes I'll come in in the morning and the outlook's pretty negative on the, what the headline is. And, you know, by the time I go to lunch and look at it in the afternoon, the headlines are, you know, why today's the best time ever to get invested. And, you know, with the 24-hour news outlet, what happens is that can really drive an investor's emotions to make short-term decisions. And, you know, we've been talking constantly about the impact of making short-term decisions can be painful uh, you know, when you let the market go down and then all of a sudden you kind of get out, 
and then try to figure out when to get back in when things look better. Um, that emotional roller coaster of investing will will be painful. So this is exactly what you should be doing if you're looking for, you know, what the prediction is of the stock market uh, in the future. First and foremost, whether you're listening to our show or reading an article, uh, and it could be an article written by uh, somebody who even won the Nobel Prize. What you need to understand is that first and foremost, the stock market doesn't care what somebody's opinion is. The stock market's going to do what the stock market's going to do. You can use history as a guideline. So if, if we look at things, you know, what we could say is going back to the 1950s, we could say that the stock market in the, you know, following year after the midterm elections has historically done good. So that's good things in our favor. We can say, you know, historically speaking, if you look back to 1980 and say, you know, when the market was down 25%, the returns after one year on average were pretty good. You know, so using history as a guideline would say the rally that we're seeing right now uh, is normal based upon historical returns. Uh, that's not to say that short term we can't have some more volatility. I know this past Monday we saw the market, you know, have a pretty sharp sell off after the weekend uh, to try to digest some of the news that's out there. And then also you could say if Washington is divided, uh, history would say that that's usually a good sign for the stock market. The stock market actually likes uh, Washington to, to be divided. So instead of trying to look for prediction for the stock market in 2023, what should you do as an investor? Do everything you possibly can to stack the deck of cards in your favor. Mm -hmm. So again, use history as a guideline, but then also make some smart decisions that says, you know, if history doesn't repeat itself, do you have a protection plan in place? And you know what is the maximum level of risk that you're exposed to in your portfolio? We use some software where what we can do is we can take a look at you know what the historical uh, good times and bad times would look like in the portfolio. What is the maximum level of drawdown that somebody could have in a portfolio? So if, if you're maybe down you know, 10, 15, 20%, and you're getting to feel very uncomfortable if it is a 2008 environment again, and the stock market really continue to go down after this near-term rally, what is the maximum level of drawdown that your portfolio could suffer? If you don't know that number, you need to know that number. And that's what our software can help you analyze. The other thing we take a look at is we take a look at how much the way that your portfolio is allocated, does it allow you to participate when the stock market goes up? And how much does it participate when the stock market goes down? So in the perfect world, mm -hmm. if such a world existed, you'd want to participate in as much of the good stuff as possible, and then you'd want to avoid as much of the bad stuff as possible. Sure. We had a client that took us up on one of those independent portfolio analysis, and we were taking a look at it, and he got about 103% of the good stuff. So when the stock market did good, he performed like the stock market. But looking at the analysis, he was taking 122% of the bad stuff. Whoa. You know, so he historically was going down faster than the market was. And those numbers are kind of flip-flopped, right? So you'd want to know that you're getting like 90% of the good stuff mm -hmm. and taking, say, 70% of the bad stuff. And the portfolio statistics that are out there in creating the independent portfolio analysis are the way to put those odds in your favor. That way you're in a position that if the market does perform good in 2023, which I'm optimistic about, 
But again, the market doesn't care. But if it does do good, you're in a position to try to capture as much of that good stuff as possible and then avoid the bad stuff. So if you don't know those numbers, what I would encourage you to do, if you've been listening to the show for a while or maybe this is the first time that you're listening, if you want to know the odds are in your favor or if the odds are against you in your portfolio, give our office a call. Uh, we've done a great job communicating this. We'll do that same offer that we just recently did. They got so many people calling in and asking about it. For the first five people that give us a call, we'll do an independent portfolio analysis and we'll show you where your portfolio lines up with the maximum level of risk, with what the overall investment allocation is, you know, how much you are able to participate when the market goes up and how much you're participating when the market goes down. Just call the office. You can get to that independent portfolio analysis. And again, first five people that call in uh, from the show, we'd be happy to extend that offer to you. How often over all of the years that you've been in this business, which, you know, 20, 28 years or so, and you've seen the highs, the lows, the 2008s and that. How often does a client, once the market rebounds, how often do they make drastic changes to prevent from that happening again to their portfolio? Well, you know, as we talk about, you don't want to make drastic changes at the bottom. Right. Or, you know, even drastic changes at the top. You don't want to chase results, nor do you want to lock in losses and be in a position you know, at the same time, retirement is a different point in your life. It doesn't allow the luxury of time to make up for mistakes. Exactly. You know, so as somebody is younger um, and they're saving and accumulating money in their tax-deferred retirement account, losses don't feel good on their statement either. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is they can buy more and more and more. It's when you get into retirement time, you know, if you think about the risk that a retiree faces, one of the biggest risks a retiree faces is called the sequence of return risk. And that means taking negative results big in those first couple of years mm -hmm. can accelerate the risk of them outliving their money. So those people that are taking withdrawals from their account, they really need to be the ones that are focused on downside risk management. Uh, and this is the type of environment you really want to be looking at downside risk management. And that's where that independent portfolio analysis really comes into play. I understand that, you know, you may not have really given a lot of thought to risk in the past 14 years, uh, you know, aside from 2020 on where it's really kind of crept back into the picture. And that is because it really wasn't an issue. But here we are older, wiser. Hopefully our portfolios have grown significantly since 2008, 2009. But we're also closer to retirement. And if and really when that volatility uh, crease back into the picture and becomes a bigger issue. How are you equipped to handle it? That's where that independent portfolio analysis comes into play. Don't forget, complimentary, if you're one of the first five callers this week, take advantage of that and see, you know, if there are some some changes that need to be made, find out about it sooner rather than later, and uh, you'll be set up all the, the better for it down the line. For first five callers, complimentary, 419-794-3030. Once again, that's 419-794-3030. Guys, it's hard to believe we're just weeks away from the end of 2022, and the new year is bringing changes to Social Security for new retirees. The uh, maximum income subject to Social Security payroll tax, that's going to increase. The maximum benefit paid to new retirees also going to go up. And the retirement earnings limit is going to increase. But a special rule is going to apply to new beneficiaries. So I threw a lot out there really quickly. Let's break that down. What does it all mean? Because Social Security is already confusing enough. Can you help us figure out that puzzle? Social Security is, you know, extremely confusing. There are some big changes that are going into effect for 2023. And it's important, you know, whether you're getting closer to or you're in retirement time to know, you know, what are the Social Security changes in 2023. And as you kind of just highlighted there, if we look at uh, some of the changes, the maximum 
taxable earnings limit's going to increase. So it goes up each year to account for inflation. You know, for instance, up to $147,000 of income is subject to Social Security payroll tax in 2022, but that figure is going to rise by 9% to 160200 in 2023. Uh, the next change that is going into uh, impact is going to be the maximum Social Security benefits going to get bigger. You know, so the formula is adjusted each year to account for inflation. And that means the maximum benefit that somebody could draw in the future for typical retirement is going to be bigger than what it was uh, in the past. Mm -hmm. Number three is the retirement earnings limit's going to be higher, but a special rule applies to uh, new beneficiaries. Your retirement benefit amount is going to be reduced if you're under your full retirement age. Uh, and your income exceeds certain limits. So in 2023, the lower limit was 21,240 and the higher limit was 56,520. No, let me let me ask you on that because with Medicare a lot of people are ask me in in my meetings they say, "Well, you know, should I take social security?" and then obviously I refer them over to um, you know, Chaz Price and, and Jeremy here at the office about that. But a lot of them want to know if they wait until their maximum retirement age for Social Security, but they still want to work, how much money can they make at that point? Well, you know, once you reach your full retirement age, you don't have an income limitation. Perfect. You know, so that's what people need to understand is there's the, all of these different rules to navigate. Um, and if you don't navigate them correctly, you end up, you know, paying taxes on Social Security. You can have some of your benefits reduced. Um, you can have negative impacts on how it transitions over to everything. But one more positive. So another positive that's coming out of this is the monthly benefit for those folks that are already on retirement time uh, because of inflation. They're going to get an 8.7 percent increase in 2023. So I know retirees uh, have been, you know, obviously impacted uh, as much or maybe more so than a typical family with inflation being so mm -hmm. high. And the good news is, is that number is going to come up. The, the challenging part for those folks that either aren't on Social Security yet or, or you're getting ready to retire, you need to make sure that you get the analysis put together on figuring out, you know, how the changes and choices that you make with Social Security are going to impact your lifetime income. Social Security can be one of the cornerstones of your retirement. And if you're not drawing Social Security now, the decision that you make can make tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars over the course of the average retiree's lifetime. Now, Scott, you've heard me talk about this before, and you, you know this number. But, you know, again, what percentage of people are selecting to take Social Security before their full retirement age? Well, I do know this, and it's 70%. Yeah, so 70% of people, you know, that are eligible for Social Security are selecting to take benefits before they get to their full retirement age, accepting a lifetime penalty that they're going to pay mm -hmm. and not thinking about what the impact is. And I would say it commonly falls into two categories. One is people say, um, I heard Social Security is going broke. Right. I, I better just get it while I can. Or I ran the break-even analysis and I had to live to, you know, my mid-70s before I even break even. Those two decisions, I think, can be costly decisions in the long run. If you look at it, the average uh, couple going into retirement time have hundreds of different options available on when could be the best approach to draw Social Security. As you pointed out, it may be better off to wait till you're in full retirement age. 
You can even delay Social Security in the example of the mm -hmm. person that you were talking about who's going to continue to work, and you're going to get an automatic 8% increase plus the cost of living, and you can delay your benefits up until age 70. So if you look at the difference between taking benefits early at the age of 62 versus delaying benefits to later at age uh, 70, it can make a big, big difference. And so what somebody needs to do is you need to have a Social Security optimization report run. If you're not collecting Social Security, that's what could help you determine what could be your best approach on when to draw Social Security. The people at the Social Security office are prohibited from giving you advice on when to draw benefits. Mm. That's really not what their job is. Their job is to help you get the most amount of benefits the day that you want to apply, which may not be the right decision for you and your family to make. I know one of the things is you talked about some of the advisors at our office. We have this software where we can run an analysis for you. So if you're getting closer to retirement, you're within five years of retirement, and you haven't got a Social Security optimization report, that again is something I would encourage you to call our office. We can take a look at. We'll get you that Social Security optimization report. We can show you, like, first and foremost, when you came in, what were you thinking was going to be the approach? And we run those numbers. We can run the numbers and we can say, you know, if you took what the computer mathematically thinks could be your best approach, what that looks like. And then we can also run some, you know, other options, you know, what does option C look like and run some different scenarios. And by doing that is going to allow you to become much more educated about all the changes in Social Security and then how to apply it to your situation so you can make a better educated decision about what's right for you and your family. You know, it's the, the numbers are staggering when I meet with all of the clients coming in for a Medicare uh, they just don't know this. It's kind of like, you know, why I do, you know, Medicare events and, you know, educational meetings like that is to help educate the people on their different options, right? That's all I'm really doing. And I am surprised at the number of people that really have no idea why they chose to sign up for Social Security. You know, some of them, like you said, well, you know, Social Security is going to run out. Uh, a lot of them, some people just, quite frankly, need that income. And that's okay if you need that income, but but I am very very surprised at the number of people that have not been guided or helped or, or sought advice for when to sign up for uh, uh, Social Security. So, and truth be told, there are hundreds upon hundreds of different ways to claim Social Security, which means that there's going to be a lot of them out there that probably aren't going to work in your favor. So, having something like a Social Security optimization report uh, done for you, which is complimentary, by the way, uh, can go a long way to. They're making a pretty significant difference in your retirement and not to d defend people who just guess on a whim. But it's one of those things that you don't think about when you're in the working world. You know, the money comes out of your paycheck. You know, that Medicare is going to be something that happens down the line, but haven't really given much thought about it in the working world. But as they get closer and closer to retirement, they just think, oh, yeah, I should probably go ahead and turn that on. Not always going to be the right move. More often than not going to be the right move. Having that Social Security optimization report run is as easy as giving a call and requesting it. 419-794-3030. You can also reach out to the team at americasretirementheadquarters.com. Now, guys, it's been a long-held belief that paying off your mortgage before going into retirement was the right thing to do. But is that really still the best strategy, giving rising interest rates? Uh, what do you tell your clients these days? In general, I think being debt-free is the way to be in retirement time. Sure. Um, I'd also say, you know, uh, my wife and I were on our third house. And, uh, you know, we follow a lot of the advice that we give to our clients. In fact, you know, my goal was to have our house paid off by the time our kids went to college and uh, it was two months ago now, and my mm -hmm. wife and I paid off our, our house, so we don't have a mortgage. And Awesome. 
You know, I know interest rates are really low. I mean, I could probably borrow against my house. And, and still, when you think about the potential of what you could make, uh, even with rates rising, uh, you know, some people think that it's a good idea to, to have a mortgage and invest the money and do something different. And I would say after 28 years of doing this, one of the consistent themes when I say, you know, these clients are having a really good time enjoying life, they have the freedom and flexibility to go, is it's clients that don't have a mortgage, it's clients that are debt free, um, it's clients that, you know, are able to not have that monthly payment. Now, one of the things that I, I would caution you about is the decisions that you make are going to impact one thing and it could impact another. As an example, people will oftentimes say, should I take a lump sum of money right. out of my IRA, 401k, or retirement account, and should I pay off the mortgage? When you look at it, let's say your mortgage payment's uh, $1,500 a month, mm -hmm. and the balance is you know, not really large, you take it out and it's going to free up a $1,500 a month cash flow. When you look at it from a cash flow perspective, one might say, yes, that makes a lot of sense. Sure. But the second area that they don't maybe sometimes take a look at is the impact that that could have on things like your health insurance costs. Because that is reportable income at that point. When you pull that money out, uh, that goes as reportable income. And depending on what your threshold is for income, that could change your monthly premium for your Medicare and or your, you know, your health insurance if you're under 65. So imagine if you uh, were on the Affordable Care Act, you're 62 years old, and then uh, you took out a big lump sum of money to pay off your mortgage. And, you know, conceptually, like I said, looking at the monthly payment makes a lot of sense. But all of a sudden, when you went to file your tax return, mm -hmm. you found out you lost that tax credit. Now, all of a sudden, the government's going to ask you for a lot of your money back. That's one of the areas where, again, at the end of the day, I think being debt free is kind of the goal to get to. But how you get there comes down to taking a comprehensive approach of kind of bringing it all together. If you look at the statistics that are out there, according to the Federal Reserve, nearly 38% of people between the ages of 65 and 74 have a mortgage or home equity line of credit on their primary residence in 2019. And that's, you know, back when mortgage rates were a lot lower than sure. they are today. Uh, back in 1989, when the average mortgage rate was a whopping 10.32%, mm. only 22% of people in that age bracket owned m money on their primary residence. And so with, you know, rising interest rates, if somebody has a, you know, home equity line of credit, that is something where the interest rate is usually going to change and those interest rates are going to go up. Mm -hmm. And if we looked at a, a traditional 30-year fixed rate mortgage uh, last year, it was at a roughly 2.96%. This year, the Federal Reserve has raised interest rates. The average 30-year fixed mortgage soared from a low of that 3.45 in January to 6.11 in September. And that's a level that we haven't seen in mortgage rates since 2008. So if you have a mortgage on your house and you're thinking about, you know, what do I do? Should I pay off the mortgage now that rates are going up? Uh, should I just, you know, stick it out? It's a 30-year mortgage. I'm never going to pay this house off. I'm better off leaving my money in, invested. You know, these are all good topics of conversation to take a look at and talking with a professional and running the numbers. You know, in some of our software that we have, uh, what it, we can do is we can look at the probability of success. And so we can run the analysis that says, you know, if you're taking out 
extra money out of your IRAs while you know, you're using that to pay your mortgage payment. Is it better to do it that way or is it better to take the lump sum of money out? You do have to dive a little bit deeper into it. Again, this is an area where a lot of these things overlap. So for the most part, the stock and bond market has had a pretty challenging year for mm -hmm. 2022. So if you're thinking, well, I'll just pay off my mortgage because all I'm doing is losing money in the stock market, by selling what you're actually doing is you're physically locking in your losses, then giving yourself no chance to get back. Because I have heard people say, you know, Nolan, all I do when I look at my investment statements is lose money. So I might as well take money out of my, you know, 401k or IRA or retirement account and just pay off my mortgage. Sure. It, again, it may or may not be the right thing to do in your own situation. Uh, conceptually, let's develop a debt elimination plan. Let's look at ways to pay off debts. Let's not, you know, put that extra stress of all those payments together, but let's do it in a way that makes a lot of sense. Uh, one other quick story I know we're coming up on a break is uh, we recently had this same situation for somebody that came into the office. And what we did is we took a lump sum of money out this year, so it fell on this year's taxes, mm -hmm. and then we're gonna take some more money in January, so it shows up and it stretches it out over two tax years. There again is a good idea why to talk with an accountant, you know, have somebody looking at it from a tax perspective, so you're making decisions that, you know, are looking at it from healthcare, from taxes, from investments. And by doing that, it's gonna give you the ability to make the decision on, you know, what could be the best approach for you when you're looking at that question, should I pay off my mortgage before retirement? Obviously, there is a, a very strong argument to be made about being debt-free as you enter into retirement, but at what cost? Make sure that you run the numbers and that you do it properly. You don't cut off your nose to, you know, spite your face in this situation. And the team at America's Retirement Headquarters, they can help you run those numbers and show you the best way to go about it, the most methodical way to go about it. You know, when Nolan and Scott said, uh, when Scott said partners in crime earlier, not literal crime. Just want to go ahead and get that disclosure oh, yeah, out yeah, there. Right, Just right. want to make sure everything's on the level uh, to get started and see. Uh, give a call, 419-794-3030. Or you can go online to americasretirementheadquarters.com. Financial advisors seem very divided on whether to recommend annuities, even though they offer a steady stream of income in retirement. But why the reservations? We asked our annuity advocate, Cheryl Moore of Winkintel.com. Here's what she said. I think the advisors are saying that managing their clients' investments is the most important thing that they do just because that's the work that they do and they perceive that the work they're doing is important. But if they do a better job of listening to their clients, they'd hear them say that they are worried about running out of money and that they need some type of guaranteed paycheck. That's why an annuity is so great and why it's so in demand right now. We just have a disconnect between people who need it and people who know what it is. So let's talk about the A word here. Let's talk about annuities. I know they're not all created equal and they may not be right for everybody out there. Can you help clients wade through which kind they actually need? Yeah, I know annuities can be a confusing topic, but really if you break it down, an annuity is a contract between the account owner and an insurance company in which you make either a lump sum or a series of payments. And in return, you have some form of uh, you know deferred or immediate type of income is how a lot of the contracts are put in place. And then what you have is you have what is called a fixed annuity. You have an index annuity and then you have a variable annuity. So a lot of times I'll hear people come to the office and they'll say, well, I don't like annuities because of the fact that those are you know, really expensive. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not all financial products really kind of work the same. It's a matter of understanding what you have and then figuring out how you can apply it to your situation. 
you know, the answer is, is yes, I do recommend certain types of annuities for clients, especially, you know, for our clients that are transitioning into retirement time, because they do like to get some steady stream of income. They like to have a kind of a backup plan. And so if you kind of walk through them, what you first of all have is you have uh, what is referred to as a fixed annuity, sometimes can be a a multi-year guaranteed annuity. With that type of contract, you don't have those high fees and expenses. Instead, you're getting paid a set amount of interest for a set amount of time. You could buy a three-year fixed contract Mm -hmm. or a five-year fixed contract. The insurance company is gonna pay you a fixed amount of interest for the three years or a fixed amount of interest for five years. So I had a gentleman that I was recently came into the office and uh, he needed to get right at about 5% of what his income need was. Mm-hmm. Well, if he found a five-year contract that, say, paid him a little over 5% interest, he could just look at having those interest payments sent to him, living off the interest, not touching his principal. Where the stock market, you know, and I think the stock market can be a great place for a part of a portfolio also, but the reality is, is the stock market, you could make 5%, but you could lose 5%, just like many investors have done in 2022. The flip into the scale is you could have uh, what is called a variable annuity. So when I hear people talk about these are the expensive types of contracts, these are typically what I would refer to as variable annuities. Uh, in general, I would say I'm not a big fan of variable sure. annuities in most situations. So with a variable annuity, as the word implies, it means it can go up and down with the stock and bond market. Usually the rider that you're purchasing with it is a rider to provide some form of income, you know, for uh, that person's lifetime. It could be, you know, a joint rider. It could be for a set period of time. Uh, And then you have the fees and expenses of the insurance contract, the sub account, the rider costs, and that's where uh, some of these get to be somewhat expensive. Give you another perfect example. Uh, I met with a gentleman who's getting ready to retire next year. Uh, This gentleman is going to sell his business. And part of selling his business is he's going to get a series of payments for a set period of time Mm -hmm. to cover his income needs for a while. And so because of that, if we looked at his actual financial holdings and what he has, down the road when he's bought out from his business and he decides to turn on Social Security, he's probably not going to really need a lot of other income because he's got his income covered. Yet he's in one of these expensive contracts where he's paying all those fees and expenses for a benefit he may not need. In that situation, I believe that may not be in what his best interest is. Now, again, I'm not saying a decision was made, you know, wrong five or 10 years ago when he got it, you know, five or 10 years ago, maybe he didn't have that offer to buy out his business. Mm -hmm. You know, he wanted to have some type of income in the future and it could have made sense then, but it may not make sense now. The third type is the type that I use the most common, which are uh, the indexed annuities. And what an index annuity is, it allows an investor to participate uh, either in a percentage or into a cap maximum level of a gain of an underlying index, yet in the event that the index goes down, they don't participate in those losses. So it kind of gives them a little bit of a safety of principle, but allows them to participate you know, when the market goes up. So it can be a, a good alternative for a safe investment that has more growth potential than some traditional fixed. Uh, and it also is a, a way to get kind of a plan B. You know, So if you have some money in the 
safer accounts are the ones that aren't in the market. When you have the years where the stock market goes down, then you can pull income off of those accounts that didn't suffer market losses, allowing your market accounts to come back. So it does seem like the industry is very divided. I mean, there's people that will recommend you should have most or all of your money in annuities. Uh, there's people that would recommend that you should have none of your money in annuities. And it really comes down to looking at your situation and figuring out kind of what is the best approach based upon what your goals and objectives are and becoming educated about how different contracts work. You know, the worst thing you can do is make a quick decision about a product that you don't understand and it can be very confusing. If somebody is selling you something that you're confused about, you know, put the brakes on, make sure you take time to be educated about what it is, fully understand the pros and cons to anything that you do, because annuities certainly have pros and cons, just like every other financial tool that's out there. You know, it's amazing to me now working with, uh, with the team here at America's Retirement Headquarters and seeing how annuities can be utilized for that guaranteed income stream and how different they are and from what I was selling back then. So, you know, I wrote a lot of annuities, but these annuities that you guys are putting in place for people are really, really awesome. And they, um, they generate that income stream that's a lot of people are looking for in addition to their Social Security. So it's certainly something I think worth taking a look at. Is it going to be right for everybody out there? No. Or all annuities good? No. But could it be a valuable part of your retirement plan? Yeah, certainly. But I think it's worth having that conversation to see. You're going to want to have that Goldilocks approach, not, you know, too much money uh, in, a, in an investment like an annuity, not, you know, no money, but, but, but find out what's going to be right for you in the end of the day. The team at America's Retirement Headquarters, they can weigh the pros and cons for you. To get started with it, just pick up the phone, give a call, have that conversation, see how it fits, if at all, into your retirement plan. 419-794-3030 or online at americasretirementheadquarters.com. Here's a question for you. Can you pull your car into the garage or is it full of stuff? I know the answer uh, we park outside. A new survey uh, by Stanley Black and Decker found that more than a third of Americans say their garage is so cluttered it blocks any vehicle from entering. And nearly two and three call their garage the junkiest place in their house. Uh, truth be told, a portfolio can also become cluttered with non-performing assets and hard to detect fees. How can you guys uh, help with that? I don't know about you, but my garage does get cluttered. How about you, Scott? No. You know what? I am really, really particular about that. I can't stand a cluttered garage. Um, so I you're get... the one in three. Then yeah. I'm the one That's in yes. <laughs> I am. I am. But you know what? We walk around the neighborhood, and these people, they have the garage doors open. You know, I got a neighbor right uh, two doors down, and it's like there's a path, a walking path to the door, the access. We'll take everything out, maybe the fall time, yep. put things back, but... It does uh, seem like every six months over time, it, it tends to build up. And then it was a couple of years ago that we had called one of the local organizations that we were able to donate. And my wife and I, we went out in the garage and said, if we haven't used it in two years, let's just get rid of it. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I'm probably not going to need plumbing supplies anytime soon. And right, so right. we got rid of a lot of that. But, you, you know, for those of you that are listening, you, you're thinking about what should I do right before I retire? You're thinking about, you know, is my portfolio cluttered with non-performing assets, you know, hard to detect fees? You know, what do you got to do to kind of get your portfolio cleaned out before you transition? Uh, first and foremost, you want to create what is called a financial inventory. So with a financial inventory is like what I was saying with my garage. You, you got to take everything out to know what you have. Okay. Looking at everything that you have within the portfolio, you know, people will come into our office 
Um, I sometimes will see people that have their own spreadsheets. Uh, I maybe see that they have six or seven different financial accounts. And that, you know, by doing the financial inventory, what it's going to allow you to do is get a, more of a one-page summary that shows, you know, here's how much money I have in tax-deferred accounts. Here's how much money I have in taxable accounts. Here's how much money I have in tax-free accounts. And from there, you might get an immediate observation. Like if you have no money in tax-free accounts, mm -hmm. you know, that might be an area that you want to take a look at, you know, and how to clean out the clutter within the portfolio. It might make sense to take a look at, you know, re-diversifying that. When you put it all together, it starts to build out your investment profile. Within your investment profile, you could see are those five or six different accounts all working together. We've seen people that have come into our office that are getting ready to retire and uh, have never looked at their investments in, right. you know, five, 10 or 15 years and mm -hmm. just, you know, time got away from them, but, and they just allow that clutter to build up over time. Well, that clutter is going to, what's uh, going to be the area that allows your portfolio to get out of balance uh, and can create those excess fees and, you know, underperforming investments and, you know, really not make your investment uh, optimizes all. When we go through the financial inventory and we create that and we start looking at the statements, the next thing that we do is we start to write down the summary of observations on areas to improve and or any potential concerns. So right before you retire, you might be looking at uh, a perfect example is we had a couple that came into the office recently and I was looking at their annual life insurance statements. And as part of the review, I looked on there and, and noticed that they did not have any beneficiaries listed on their life insurance. Well, yeah. You know, so in the event that something happened, you know, as we know, that could be a huge, huge problem, not only from probate, but is the right person going to get the money? And simply by looking at the clutter that they had, we're able to address that before something bad happens. Um, just like in our other segment, we had talked about the analysis you know, we had saw somebody who had purchased an investment, you know, five, seven, ten years ago, and you know, life circumstances had changed, and so the product that he purchased, you know, ten years ago for what he thought he was going to need it for today, is different. Uh, the same would be true. Is you know, I had more free time when I was younger. I probably did need to keep some of the plumbing supplies around. Uh, quite frankly, between you know, scouts and hockey and work and you know, all the activities that we have going on in our family. Uh, and the reality is, is I'm not a plumbing expert. Sometimes it's easier to just hire, hire somebody to come in and take sure. care of those things. That's why I was able to get rid of some of that junk that I had in my garage. So write down the observations on areas to improve and or potential concerns. The next thing you want to do is you want to stress test your plan. So when you're stress testing your plan, what you're looking at is you're looking at you know, if things got really bad with the current portfolio, the way that it's allocated, you know, how much could it go down if the economy really suffered? The risk here is right before somebody retires or right after retirement, they suffer significant losses right away. It's called the sequence of return risk. And so if somebody that goes into retirement and then they switch from saving and accumulating to taking money out from their plan, taking mm -hmm. withdrawals out, and they suffer those losses right away, what's gonna happen is they're gonna be forced to sell off more and more in their investments, actually negative compounding the account, accelerating the risk of outliving their money. And you wouldn't know that until you stress test a plan. 
You also want to look at what is the probability of success. You know, we run the software and we can look at things like, well, what if taxes doubled? Uh, what if healthcare costs went up? What if the stock market crashed? What if Social Security failed on their promise? And how would that impact the overall plan? Because you can address some of those issues. You know, as an example, if one of the biggest risks a retiree faced was a major market crash, that's something that a retiree can do something about before it happens. Uh, if long-term inflation was an issue, there's financial products that can help offset inflation. Uh, if healthcare cost was a big issue, you know, whether that's uh, developing an income plan to help keep your healthcare costs down, or developing a plan to protect your assets from a long-term care, that's areas that you can make decisions about. But you know, right before you retire, you wanna know those things so you can eliminate them. The last thing you wanna do is you wanna develop your written retirement income plan once you know that information. And it's what we refer to here at our office as the independent income system, which is our trademark methodology on how to develop where to pull money from and the buckets of money for current income, you know, future pay raises, reliable income, your long-term growth, emergency money. And then from there, you can figure out the investment selection process. That way you're not getting the cart ahead of the horse. When you're a younger investor, sometimes it's best to not really look at your statement, watch the market go up and down. It's just going to cause unnecessary stress, right? But that doesn't mean put your head in the sand and not pay attention to this. Because when you do get to where it's time for retirement, your garage is going to be all cluttered with all of these other plans. You know, you should be meeting with your current advisor at least once a year or at least communicating with them. You know, I can remember back when I was working in a, you know, another firm and I was um, investing and putting money aside. I had no idea what I had. You're in a different phase of life at that point And, you know, uh, mm -hmm. continuing the vehicle analogy, thinking back 10 years ago, my son wasn't wasn't born yet. You know, and I had a, a two door car. I don't have a two door car anymore. I can't take him anywhere in that. So I had to sell that and, you know. Uh, buy a, a smaller SUV to, to get him around and all of his dinosaurs and things like that. Same thing with life. As life goes on, you're going to find that you need to be in different vehicles. You need to have a different approach when it comes to your retirement. So your investment strategy, the plan that you had in the working world, even five, 10 years ago, uh, could probably take a, a, another set of eyes on it right now. And, and more likely than not, there are going to be some changes that need to be made, but you don't know what those changes are going to be until you sit down and you speak with professionals like the team at America's Retirement Headquarters. Here's how you do that. 419 794 3030. Help them, uh, let them help you clean up uh, your, your financial garage and, and get a little more organized. 419-794-3030 or go online, americasretirementheadquarters.com. Now it's a choice that many who are approaching retirement face. If they have a pension, do they take the defined benefit plan or opt for a lump sum distribution instead? But guys, there was a Harris poll of retirees that revealed 21% of them who took a lump sum depleted it in five and a half years, which I hope that was fun for them. So how do you help them avoid doing something like that? They should have had a really fun, like you said, Chris, they better have had a fun five yeah. years, right? <laughs> I mean, that number is staggering to me. 21% blow through all of that money. You know, I, I know we did a show several several months ago about the uh, savings rates and the, the number of people that have um, little to no savings, you know, and I talked to a client actually this, uh, just last week, we were talking about life insurance and they were talking about whether they should ha keep their universal life or their term policies. And, um, you know, I, I know the old analogy used to be, 
if you want a lot of death benefit for a low amount, you buy a term policy and you take that difference in premium and invest in. And I said, that's all well and good, but are you going to really do that? You know, are you really disciplined enough to invest the difference in the premium? Because we were talking at the break, you know, people go out and blow money all the time when they get it. Somebody gets a $250,000 one-time plop from their lump sum from their pension. Now, like, they're rich. Yay, let's go spend it, right? Yeah, I mean, when you look at that statistic that's out there, I mean, that's pretty scary. And I know that is, you know, a question is, should I take a lump sum pension? You know, you may have those choices when you get ready to retire. And you, you really, you know, it's one of those areas you only get one shot at getting this right. Right. You know, usually when that offer is made, that offer is irrevocable, mm-hmm. non-changeable. Uh, I can think of an example that I had somebody had come in recently and uh, she really wasn't worried about leaving a bunch of money to anybody else. It was just her. Uh, unfortunately, she had not done great saving a lot of money. Had come into the office and had said that, you know, she was heard about us and wanted to take her money and uh, she was going to take a lump sum pension and wanted us to invest it and she was going to live off of it. Well, the first thing in making this decision is you have to look at what the income payout rate is. So what I did is I looked at the amount of money that the company was willing to offer to pay her. Now, they were going to be contractually obligated to pay her that amount of money for the rest of her Mm -hmm. lifetime. Mm -hmm. If I took that number and I divided it by what the lump sum was, she would need to earn 8.25% return to break even to get the same level of income that she would have got, you know, from that company paid for the rest of her lifetime. You know, at the end of the day, I would tell her and I did tell her that I don't think the lump sum is in your best interest. Mm. She could have taken a partial lump sum. And for that, I would understand maybe taking a partial lump sum to bulk up a little bit more on her backup and emergency money. But the problem is, is, you know, you're going to really drain down your assets. And, you know, at the end of the day, the, there's no guarantee when it comes to the stock market doing 8.25%. You know, heaven forbid she would have done that a year ago. You know, now we've seen 2022 where the market went down. You know, she would have been already negative with the returns had she put it into the market. I'm not sure what she did with it because uh, she didn't take our advice and went somewhere else. But I don't think that was in her best interest. The second thing is you have to look at your beneficiaries. Uh, I have another example of somebody that I met with, and they had done a great job. They'd saved and accumulated uh, a pretty solid nest egg between their 401ks and IRAs and outside investments. And, you know, between maximizing their Social Security and other sources of income, the pension was just extra money. So when we ran the analysis, you know, if they took some steps to put their retirement plan in place, and it was pretty confident that they were going to have enough money um, to live a comfortable retirement. In this case, you know, they have children. So the nice thing about taking the lump sum distribution is if there is money left over, you know, in their investment accounts by taking the lump sum, any money that's left over could transfer on to their beneficiaries. We're in the earlier example, somebody who takes a payout option, you know, their payout option may be only for the retiree's lifetime, Mm -hmm. or in uh, some cases can be only for joint lifetime, meaning a a husband and wife, uh, or for a, a certain period of time, maybe a period certain like 10 years. When you're looking at it, Again, sometimes it makes sense to take uh, the single life payout. Even for a married couple, sometimes the single life payout is a good option. 
as long as you have things like life insurance in place that can be used to make up the difference of a loss of survivor income. And that could be, you know, another big area when you're taking a look at uh, the lump sum pension versus the monthly payout. Just remember, it's an irrevocable decision. In most cases, you only get one shot at getting it right. Yeah, I met with a client um, a few weeks back where uh, they lost their job and they had an option. Uh, She could take $1,000 a month from her pension payout. Uh, but her husband would get nothing. Or she could take $700 a month, and upon her passing, if she were to all of a sudden you know, pass away, her husband would then continue to get the $700. So they were given up three, you know, $300, right? Uh, they were, she was very healthy. They had a, um, a lot of lazy assets sitting in a, a savings account. Uh, you know, they had a lot of cash there. So I proposed to them to purchase a life insurance, take that higher amount, purchase a life insurance. If she were to pass away, then the proceeds from the life insurance would more than compensate that $300 a month. And they were able to use a, uh, you know, a one-time payment out of the lazy assets that they had. So it was a different way to get to that. So uh, they could have taken a lump sum, but like you said, you know, that lump sum, that money could have could have run out prematurely for them. Especially if people don't have the discipline to, you right. know, be honest with themselves about it and say, you know, this would put a hole in my pocket. Uh, not all lump sum offers are going to be, you know, equal or, or easily as as robust as, as others. And so uh, you can't give, you know, uh, just a, just a flat across the board advice here. It's really going to depend something we say very often here on the show on your circumstances to run the numbers, see what's going to work best for you. Do you have other sources of income coming in? Have you done a good job saving? Are you disciplined enough to, if you took that lump sum to not, you know, go out and buy an $80,000 truck right away, uh, knowing that that's, that's a third of the offer that you got really depends on all those different factors and sitting down and speaking with the professionals like the team at America's retirement headquarters. So here's how you get started. 419-794-3030. You can always find them online. America's retirement headquarters.com. Want to thank you as we always do for spending part of your day with us here on America's retirement headquarters with Nolan Baker and Scott Kirshner. Please have a great week ahead of you. Have a safe week ahead of you. And guys, as we wrap up, I want to leave you with the final word. Yeah, since we're talking uh, monthly income or lump sum payment, here's a good quote for this week. Retirement is like a long vacation to Las Vegas. Uh, The goal is to enjoy it to the fullest, but not so fully that you run out of money. So have a great week, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Just remember, when you think retirement, think America's Retirement Headquarters. America's Retirement Headquarters is located at 1700 Woodlands Drive in Maumee, Ohio. You can reach them by calling 419-794-3030 or online at americasretirementheadquarters.com. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. Investments can fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Nolan Baker is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal or tax advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstance. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Nolan Baker, Ohio Insurance License Number 27787.